excited to be preaching in the uh, I Am series. Uh, we'll be in John 6 tonight while you guys are turning there. Point you guys back to last week's sermon that Jake started us off with. Uh, he started with the introductory sermon that was about the, uh, the, wor- the words I am um, and how that points us back to the Old Testament um, and how that points us back to um, how God told Moses what his name was. And, and that is where that word I am comes from. Um, and it's very significant throughout the book of John. Uh, we, we've devoted a whole series to it. And so um, I'm not going to talk about that because Jake already did last week. So as a precursor to this sermon, if you haven't already, you should go back and listen to his, uh, his sermon from last week because that will help you to understand what I'm going to preach on tonight a little bit deeper. Um, so I would encourage you to go back and listen to Jake's sermon from last week. Um, but so last week, I got last Tuesday, I got my wisdom teeth pulled, all four of them. Um, so it was pretty, that day was pretty rough. It wasn't as rough as I thought it was going to be, but it wasn't so bad. Um, but that week was pretty easy. Because of that, I didn't, I didn't have to ride my bike all week. I didn't have to go to work all that week, and, and school hadn't started yet. So it was a pretty, pretty chill week that week. But this week, on the other hand, um, I started like, I was done training at my new job. I'm doing like a warehouse job, um, like forklift stuff. I started that this week, uh, like regular hours, like part-time, uh, this, starting this week. Um, started back cycling again. I've only got about three weeks to get back into gear before my big uh, season starts in, in September. And then school started too, which that's probably the main one. Uh, seminary is already um, so much, so much reading, and I'm realizing that. So I've been really busy. But, but in one of my classes called Personal Spiritual Disciplines, um, I, I'm looking forward to this class a whole lot. Uh, the main book that's, that's a part of this class is, is called um, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, written by Donald Whitney. And uh, lucky for me, my professor is Donald Whitney. So, uh, so the guy who wrote the book on discipline is teaching us about discipline, which is really cool. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and so our main, our main assignment for this class is a journal that we have to keep um, throughout the entire semester. Um, he gives us a bunch of required entries that we have to give and write down. He said it's on average like three or four a week, and I haven't even written one. But we're only one weekend, but anyways. Um, anyways, he, he, he has one of the required entries as uh, fasting. And so he wants us to fast once before he teaches on it, and then once again after he teaches on it. Um, and so fasting is just a way that we show that we're depending on God for strength, uh, not by bread alone. Um, and, and I'm not really looking forward to it, not because I think it's hard to fast or anything like that, and I understand that it's good and right that we fast, uh, but because my biggest season of the year is coming up of cycling, and if I, if I don't eat food, I don't race that well, you know what I mean? So that's what I'm thinking. Probably not a good way to think, but that's how I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm also thinking in the back of my head, if I'm going to do this assignment... I need to make sure my team director doesn't find out about the assignment because he's probably going to be pretty upset that I'm not eating right before a race or right after a race. Um, but he would probably say, you know, he, he's so focused on, on he, he's even paying for a dietician right now to tell me what to eat. That's how, that's how concerned he is about my diet. And so if he finds out that I'm not eating, then it's probably going to concern him because he thinks... If, if Drew's going to race well, it's going to be because he eats well and trains well. And, and I, would, I would respond to him by saying, 
yes, but no, because I'm relying on God for my strength and, and God for my, my source of su sustenance and, uh, and all of that. And so uh, I just wanted to tell you guys that because tonight we're going to be talking a lot about food um, with, with Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. Um, and so, uh, so I've got three points for tonight. Um, the first point is, what is this bread? The second point is, what good is it? And the third point is, how do we get it? The, the first point, what is this bread? Um, last week, I was at a pick pack with my two nephews that, are, that were here. They just disappeared. Um, and we were shopping, and we went in. And as soon as we walk into the store, they're like, oh, potato chips. Can we get those? Oh, two liter of Mountain Dew. Can we get that? And I'm like, no, 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 no. We got to get the vegetables, and then we got to go. Because um, that's what the dietician says. <laughs> and CJ was with us, and she, CJ came up with a good rule. Uh, she said, you can't put anything in the basket unless it's got five or less ingredients, and those five ingredients you have to be able to pronounce. Um, I was like, pretty good rule. I don't even know if I follow that. Um, and so that was pretty good for a couple reasons. One, it kept them occupied so I, I could do the shopping. Um, and, and two, it was, it was just fun. It was pretty funny. We were giggling. We were laughing walking throughout the store. Um, and, so, and so I thought that was really cool. And I was curious last night I was, as I was getting ready for the sermon. Um, so I, I, took, I took a walk down to the pantry and grabbed my loaf of bread. I mean, I am preaching on the bread of life. And so I grabbed my uh, loaf of bread. It's the Pepperidge Farms 15 grain whole wheat bread. Sounds super healthy. Um, I'll, I'll read the ingredients and you guys can be the judge of that. Uh, here are the ingredients. Whole wheat flour, water, sugar, wheat gluten, wheat berries, sunflower seeds, yeast, soybean oil, oats, pearled barley, rye, triticale, millet, salt, degermed yellow, corn grits, flaxseed, sugarcane, fiber, calcium, propionate, sorbic acid to retard spoilage, distilled monoglycerides, datum, millet, flour, brown rice meal, buckwheat flour, flaxseed meal, whole quinoa flour, amaranth flour, whole spelt flour, whole sorghum flour, whey, and soy lecithin. <laughs> Safe to say, I did not pass the CJ Kara's shopping requirements on my bread, but she picked it out. So, um, so anyways, uh, and so, isn't, isn't this, uh, and so, so just, like, just like my bread, I had to go to the package to find out what was in it. And so we're going to do the same thing. We're going to go to the source itself. We're going to turn to our Bibles to find out uh, exactly what Jesus said. Um, and he does say, I'm the bread of life in chapter 6, but he also says a whole lot of other things that we need to get. Um, it's 71 verses long. When, when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, that's the third story in this chapter um, and, and we should we should know the other two the other two stories beforehand um, because those are important for us to understand this story, uh, particularly the first one. Um, so I'm just going to explain that to y'all in, in verses one through fifteen of chapter six in John. That's where we are. Uh, Jesus feeds the five thousand. Uh, we all know this story. It was five thousand men, and if you think about it, if, if each man has his wife, and on average they probably have one kid that quickly becomes 15,000 people that Jesus had, had fed. Um, and, and so the disciples are wondering, how are we going to do this, Jesus? And, and they found a boy who has five loaves of bread and two fish, and, and Jesus prayed over the food, and they, they sent it out, and uh, everybody ate till they were full. Everybody was full. All 15,000 people were full. Um, 
And, and not only that, that's a miracle in itself, but if you want a number or some statistics, uh, he started with five loaves, and at the end of it, they gathered up 12 baskets full of bread. And, and I'm not a mathematician, but if you start with five and end up with 12, something ain't quite right. And so this truly was a miracle that Jesus performed. He had fed this multitude of people. And then the other story squeezed in there was uh, the disciples had, right after that had left to go across the sea. Somehow they had left Jesus behind, and so he just walks on the water to catch up to him. That's the other story that are there. Um, and, so, and then we get to the passage that I want to focus on, verses 22 to 40. Um, pretty bulky passage, but I'll go ahead and read all those, and then we'll uh, digest it. No pun intended. All right, verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for only him God the Father has set his seal. And then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread, from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven. Not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And so we come to this passage. So we have that background of Jesus feeding the 5,000, and the crowd comes to Jesus. Um, and, and as you read, they didn't see him leave on the boat, and so they were curious where did he go? And it, this kind of made me think, well, why were they even looking for Jesus? And Jesus knows why. He says, you are, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. They were humans. The next day comes around. They don't have any food. They're hungry. So they look back to yesterday. What happened yesterday? Well, that guy Jesus fed us all. He, he, he turned five loaves into thousands of loaves. We all got our fill of bread. So we're hungry now, let's go back to Jesus. Let's go get some more food from Jesus. Um, I, don't think, I don't think this is, is, is much of a bad response because I, I might have responded the same way. If somebody fed me yesterday and today I didn't have any food, I would probably go back to that person because I know that they fed me. Um, and so 
and, and because of college, I've gotten kind of good at that. They would call that mooching or, or bumming off of people. Um, the, I found out one of the best ways to do this was uh, when, a, when a friend's parents came into town, that was the best time to mooch. They, they would usually come from out of town, and so they would probably want to go to local eatery. And, uh, and usually that consisted of somewhere out of my price range, because we would just eat the cheapest place, whatever. But they want to get, you know, the, they want to experience the town. And, so, and they'd usually invite not only their son or daughter, but some of their friends. So these were the meals that you didn't want to miss, and I rarely missed. So, so I've got a story um, of one of my friends, Caleb, who this was exactly what happened. Me and his mom had watched Caleb uh, race that night on the track. Um, and then afterwards, we were going to get some food. And me and Caleb were kind of like, oh, let's go to Yats. Six bucks a person. <laughs> Perfect for us. And his mom was like, oh, don't worry about it. Let's go somewhere nicer than that. So we looked up on our phones. She had found a Brazilian steakhouse that I had never heard of called Fogo de Chao in Indianapolis. And so we walk in. She goes to the bathroom. And I pick up the menu to look for the prices, of course. <laughs> and no prices, and there's really only one thing on the menu, that's a buffet, and so I'm like, so I go up to the front desk lady and ask her how much is the buffet, and she says it's about 70 bucks a person. And so I turn to Caleb, I'm like, dude, I think I've only got like $71 in my bank account, there's no way we can eat here unless your mom pays for me. I'm like freaking out. He's like, dude, don't worry about it, she's got you, and I'm like, you, you need to ask her, like you need to literally ask her when she gets back here, because if she doesn't, I'm, I'm like, there's no way. So she gets back, and Caleb's like, hey, mom, buffet's a little pricey. Is that all right? And she's like, she just shrugs. She's like, what is it, like 80 bucks a person? And I'm like, and so he says, no, it's 70. And she says, Psh, no problem. And in my head, I'm like, yes, we're eating good tonight. And so, so we went there. It was awesome. They came around with trays of like meat and cut it. It was awesome. And so only time I'll ever eat there probably in my life, but I enjoyed it. Um, and so these people were in that same boat. They, they had been fed by Jesus the day before and they came back wanting more food. Um, <clears throat> and so, uh, and I think because of Jesus is the first thing he says to them, I think he's a little more concerned about their hearts than he was about their bellies because in verse 27, he says, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Um, and so he's not just trying to feed them a meal once. He's trying to feed them for eternity. And they didn't, they didn't quite understand that. So they said in verse 30, how do we get this? They say, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And so they would have known that Moses was the one that provided the manna um, in the Old Testament, or not provided, but he was the one that, that, that got the bread, the manna, to the, to the nation of Israel. Um, because of what Moses did, the whole nation of Israel got bread. And so they were trying to say, you, you're going to have to trump Moses if you want us to believe you. Um, and so they, didn't, they were still not understanding that Jesus wasn't talking about bread that we eat. He's talking about more than that. Um, and so this leads Jesus to explain what the bread that he is talking about is. And so in verse 32, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread 
from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And so they, they were still thinking meal. They were still thinking we're hungry. We want bread. And he was trying to say, you guys aren't searching for the right kind of bread. So he explains to them, I am the bread. We haven't got there yet, but he says, I am the bread of life. Um, and if you look at verse 28, if you jump ahead, it says, for I have come down from heaven. Well, if you look in verse 33, which we just read, it says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. If it's, that's pretty clear. He's saying, I am the bread. I am the one that you guys need more than any amount of bread that you need to eat. I am the bread that you need, for I give you the true life. Um, the meals come in passing, and they only fill you up for so long, but I will fill you up for eternity. Um, so, and if you remember John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall have life. Uh, and so, so that he was trying to say that, remember that I am the bread. I'm the one who came to give you life, eternal life, that is. Um, and, and so that's why we have the Last Supper, when Jesus says, this is my body, which I'll give up for you, so that we remember that, that he is the bread that we need, not, not any other bread that we think will give us strength or sustenance. Um, and, and so in verse 35, he says, I am the bread. He just says it plain out clear. I am the bread, not this manna, not the bread that you ate yesterday. I am. I'm the bread of life. Um, and, and, and I don't know about you, but that's probably a whole lot better than the Pepper Ridge Farms 15 grain whole wheat bread. And so the second point is, what good is it? Well, he doesn't just say, I am the bread. He says, I am the bread of life. And like I said, eternal life. Um, and so, so what good is that for me? Well, it's, it's all the good. It's, it's everything. It's it's every kind of good there ever was because that's eternal life in Jesus. Uh, bread that we eat only, only can strengthen us for a couple hours, and Jesus wants to strengthen us for all of eternity because he is the bread of eternal life. Why do we have bread anyways? I mean, it, it keeps us alive, um, and God created us to depend on bread because it keeps us alive, but, but God created all things, and he could have created us not needing to depend on bread. Um, and nowhere in the Bible does it say this, but I'm just kind of thinking. Um, maybe he created us having such a dependence on bread so that when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, we would somewhat more understand how dependent upon Jesus we really are. Because you can't go but 30 days without eating, I think, um, and you can't go but seven days or so without water. Um, but how long can you really go without Jesus? I mean, you might be able to get through this life okay with Jesus, but if you want eternal life, you must believe in Jesus. He is the, he is the, he is the salvation that we so need. If, if you don't believe in Jesus, you still stand guilty before God in your sin. Jesus is the, is the bread of life that took away our sin. And because of that, we can stand before God without, without any guilt, without any stain of sin, and we can stand before him fully righteous. Um, and, and, and that's how you get eternal life, is by believing in him. And so uh, he's the bread of life. Um, we need him more than, more than any other bread there ever was. Um, Jars of Clay in their, in their Redemption Songs album do a remake of I Need Thee. You know that song, I need thee, oh I need thee. 
Well, I counted how many times they said need in that song. It's only three and a half minutes long, and they say the word need 34 times. So they, I think they get it. They get that, that the Pepper Ridge Farms isn't what they need. Jesus is what they need. He is the bread of life that they need every single day, every single hour. I mean, if, you, if, if we need food three to five times a day, depending on your appetite and, and your diet, um, how much more do we need God to give us life, to give us strength, to give us everything that we need? Uh, and so that leads me to my third point. How do we get it? How do we get this bread of life? Well, if we look at verse 34, this is exactly what they said. After Jesus explains what the bread of life is and what the bread from God is, they say, sir, give us this bread always. You know, if, if you fully understand the first two points that I have, that what is the bread and what good is it, that Jesus is the bread and it's good for eternal life, then you should be begging and pleading to get some of this bread. I mean, if this is the eternal life kind of bread, where can I get, get some of that eternal life kind of bread? Um, but at first, they didn't quite understand this. If you look back in verse 28, they said, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And they say this uh, because in verse 27, they misunderstood what some, something that Jesus had said. In verse 27, Jesus says, do not labor for the food that perishes. And so they took that word labor and they thought, what do we need to do to get the bread of life? We have to do something to get this bread that they're talking about. Uh, and, and that's not how the bread of life works. I mean, it's, it's pretty good that they think that way. I mean, that's the whole reason that I have a warehouse job that I'm working is so that I can pay for the Pepperidge Farms 15 grain bread. I've got to do something to get that bread. And so they weren't thinking necessarily badly or anything. They knew that they had to do, they thought they had to do something. But that's not how the bread of God works. You can't, you can't earn the bread of God, but it, it doesn't just get handed to you either. If we look at our verse, uh, our main verse um, for the night, it says, I am the bread of life, but then it continues. And he says, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And so he calls us to come to him and to believe in him. By faith alone, as the reformers might have said, or in their day it would have been sola fidea, which is like Latin, I think. Um, but by faith alone. We have to come to him and we have to believe in him. And when we do those things, when we come to Jesus and we believe in Jesus, what do we get? Well, we get verse 40. If you look at verse 40, it says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So we, we, know, that, we know that Jesus... So, so, who, so what is the bread? Jesus Christ is the bread, uh, the bread that we need. What good is it for us? It, it's, it's good for eternal life. It gives us strength. It, it sustains us through all of life. Um, it is eternal life. That's what, that's what good about it. That's what's good about it. And how do I get it? We believe and turn to him by faith alone. Are, are you depending on Jesus for eternal life as much as you are on your pantry? to sustain you for life? And are you crying out almost every day and every hour, I need thee, God, oh, I need thee? Because if you are, if you're crying out for how much you need God and how much you understand that and how much um, you depend upon 
God for life, then when we read verse 37, it's going to be so joyful to your soul. When Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Let's pray together. God, thank you for bread. Thank you that, that, that you feed us every single day. We realize that, that uh, every meal is a gift from you. But, but more than that, God, we need you to sustain us, to fill us. Um, we need you each and every hour, God. We pray that we would be depending on you for life, for eternal life, and that we would be turning to you and, and that we would be loving you with all that we have, with all of our hearts. Help us to glorify you as we go our way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.